thanks to our 2022 listeners in more than 160 countries. Please help us reach more worldwide listeners next year by making a year-end tax-deductible gift. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you a new recording of 22 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir and our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail, Paths to Lutheranism. You can make a secure online contribution at issuesetc.org. Thank you for supporting the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. It's been a trend for some time that congregations, usually of the evangelical variety, when Christmas Day rolls around, say, well, you know, we could hold a worship service, but isn't that really a family holiday? Let's not have a service. What if that service falls on a Sunday? Well, that's a little harder case to make, but maybe in the debate over whether or not to cancel Christmas Day services, even on Sunday, all the wrong questions are being asked, and so we're not getting the answers we need. Welcome back to Issues Etc. Joining us to talk about Christmas Day worship services, Pastor Hans Feeney, pastor of Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in St. Louis. He's creator of a series of comical videos called Lutheran Satire, and he's author of an essay for World News Group titled No Better Places for Families. Hans, welcome back. Good to be here. As far as you can tell, why have some Christian congregations decided to cancel Christmas Day services even during a year when the day doesn't fall on a Sunday. Yeah, so there's a, a there are a lot of Christians uh, generally from the Protestanty, uh, especially leaning kind of evangelical direction that just typically don't have a Christmas Day service. These are tend to be congregations that are not terribly liturgical, and so they don't deal with you know kind of the idea of different sets of readings and distinct services from Christmas Eve to Christmas Day. So they typically just don't have the practice in general. So then when Christmas falls on a Sunday, there's kind of this question of, well, does the uh, Sundayness and the observe the Lord's Dayness of the day trump, or does the stay home and hang out in your pajamas with your family and enjoy a day of rest and relaxationness of Christmas Day trump? So that's kind of the, the world that they're coming from. That's what's causing the conundrum. How does the Sunday coincidence with Christmas Day change the situation a little bit? Well, sure. For people who don't typically have a Christmas Day service, that's kind of the question is, what's more important? Is our is our obligation to gather for worship at the regular time in which we normally gather? Is that more important? And should we prioritize that over kind of standard family traditions that people have, whatever they do on Christmas morning, the whole, you know, kind of getting up and enjoying your pajamas and your coffee and your hot chocolate and your kids opening your presents and all the various other bits and pieces of people's own kind of private traditions. It's the wrestling game of which of those things is is more important. So in a lot of the discussion that's been going around online and social media and various publications, that tends to be how people have kind of framed the question is, do we concede that our obligation to worship Christ on Sunday is greater than the kind of restful joy that we get from staying home on Christmas Day? What kind of arguments are you hearing on both sides of this cancellation issue that, well, you write, sometimes miss the point? Sure. So yeah, the the kind of missing the point type of arguments I'm hearing, and I'm more inclined towards one than the other, even though I, I, I don't think either of them is quite right. You have one that basically says Sunday's Sunday. 
it doesn't matter what else is going on on Sunday. Your family traditions are not more important than your need to obey God's command to gather and, and hear his word. And we typically do that on Sunday. So it's our family's responsibility to kind of when it comes to our family traditions and practices, it's the family's responsibility to get out of the way of the church and let the church be the church and do the things that the church does. So have people gather there. And then you have kind of on the other end, a sort of weird view of the whole issue, which is you find this, I think a lot, especially in the evangelical world where church is kind of a production. And so the idea that you got to give up your nice, relaxing, Christmas morning with your family and go into work and do the big production is just too much to ask of people. So a handful of folks who have written about this have basically said they're canceling services on this particular December 25th, which is a Sunday, because uh, they want to basically give people the day off to spend with their families because otherwise you got to put on the whole show. It really kind of shows some interesting presuppositions that people are dealing with, namely that gathering for worship is primarily law-oriented, that it's primarily about what it is that we need to do for God and what our obligation to God is on one end. And then you also have a little bit of uh, quite revealing about people's theology of worship and that worship has to kind of be a spectacle and a production. So it's basically the idea that if you've got like 20 people that have to do jobs on that Sunday morning or have to give up their Christmas morning, that's a big ask, which is odd to me, obviously, because you don't really, you need kind of, from my perspective, you need an organist and a pastor to kind of do the work. And then and then everybody else is is on the receiving end of everything that's that's going on there. So I think all of this stuff really misses the bigger issue which is why aren't we having a Christmas Day service every year, not just when it falls on Sunday? So in addition to that question, and please pursue it, what other questions do we need to be asking? Well, I think that's the big one. I mean, kind of paired with that is what is worship? So if worship is what we're doing for God, then yeah, sure, maybe give people the Sunday off. If it's about an obligation and a task that we have, well, they, they just did the task the night before. That's a fair thing to say, ah, they fulfilled their obligation. They, they were just in the, in the sanctuary, you know, 12 hours ago. So that, that should be fine. But that's a fundamentally flawed way of, of looking at what worship is. Worship is not simply us gathering to praise God. And worship is certainly not us working for God, but worship is us receiving God. That the purpose of, of holy worship is for us to receive Christ and his gifts. And in this article that I wrote for World Magazine, No Better Place for Families to Gather, that's what I ultimately tried to focus on in the end is basically saying, look, Christmas as a celebration, the celebration of the incarnation there's a lot to celebrate there. There are many aspects to the incarnation, to the celebration of Christ's birth. In fact, that's why we typically in the Lutheran church, we have different series of readings for this, right? So if you look in our altar book, you'll find two different sets of readings for basically normal Christmas Eve and then the kind of the, the midnight mass, whatever we might call that, the midnight service. So the earlier one features the reading from Matthew's gospel, which is the account through Joseph and kind of the legal claims for of Christ to be the king of his people. So you can focus on the promises of the incarnation of this king who comes into the flesh to rule from David's throne forever. Uh, in the Lucan account, you have Mary's very kind of personal 
presentation of the story given through Luke, where that really focuses on the humility of God coming into the flesh and this God-man who is worthy of all of the praise and honor and glory in this world, being born in humble, lowly circumstances and laid in a manger. Uh, And then typically on Christmas Day, we have the reading from the first chapter of John, John's gospel, where he talks about the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, the eternal son of God taking on human flesh to bear our sins and to be our savior. There's so many different aspects of the Christmas story that you can't really get them all in one setting. And the great beauty of having multiple services is that you get to focus more fully on each of these different aspects. So Christmas Day is certainly something that's worthy of being celebrated in and of itself. It's worthy of being celebrated as its own unique service with its own readings, with different hymns, with a different focus in the sermon. So in all of that, you say, well, the incarnation is greater than just one service. But on top of that, worship is not about us showing up and meeting an obligation. It's not about us punching a clock. It's about us getting to receive the infinite mercy and love of Christ. And so when that word of Christ's mercy is presented to us in this kind of a slightly different aspect of the Christmas story at each service, it's kind of like if someone said, if you said to someone, I'm going to be giving out million dollar stacks of cash on Saturday night. And they go, okay, great. That sounds good. I'll be there. Then I'm going to give out million dollar stacks of cash on Sunday morning. They're not going to go, oh, man, do I have to do that too? I just, I was just there last night. You have to have to do both of those. Are you serious? Right. That wouldn't be the response because people would recognize there's a joyous reception of something going on here. So in the same way, when we view the church, the idea that you have different services with different liturgical focuses, but still pouring out these gifts of mercy and salvation, pouring out the greatest treasures that you could possibly imagine. Well, this isn't a matter of obligation. This isn't something, a matter of saying, do we have to do this? Do we have to have service on Sunday? But it's the great joy of saying, I get to do this. I get to be surrounded by Christ and his word. I get to hear these glorious words from John's gospel. I get to sing these incredible hymns. I get to receive the sacrament to feast on the body and blood of Jesus. And that celebration is also something that we do as families. We're there with our brother Christ. We're there with our brothers and sisters in the faith. We're also there with our earthly mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters. The idea that that you're kind of pitting the church against the family as kind of competition for your affections and your loyalty is certainly not the way that Christians should look at the idea of grabbing your family and getting into the car and going to your church's worship service. That's all of you living in the fullness of family rather than being pulled away from family. So how does this debate expose what is really kind of a low view of Jesus or a small view of Jesus' incarnation among some Christians? Yeah, you know, uh, every year on Christmas, you'll kind of hear these, you'll have people who will, sometimes they'll do this in churches uh, at various other celebrations where you'll have people who, who will sing happy birthday songs to Jesus. And it's well-meaning and it's well-intended, but it does kind of reveal a lack of recognition of the fullness and the glory of the incarnation. That Christmas is not simply Jesus's birthday in the way that today is my birthday. Today is my birthday, by the way. But my birthday is my birthday. It's the day in which I, a human being, was born. Someone who is not capable of saving anyone, certainly not capable of saving himself. But when the Savior of the world is born, when God comes into the flesh, 
that's not just simply a recognition of this moment when a guy who's really great came into this world and we want to honor him. It's a recognition that all of the promises of God are now being fulfilled, that all of the sorrows and miseries of this world, all of the tears that we've cried through this life of, of suffering are going to be dried, and they're going to be dried by the hands of the Son of God who knows what it means to cry tears, who knows what it means to weep, who knows what it means to suffer, because in his human nature, he's done that. That's ultimately what Christmas is. And when we treat it as though it's kind of, okay, well, we go and we sort of pop into Jesus's birthday party and tip our hats, but it would be unreasonable for Jesus to expect us to then show up again just a few hours later and pay our respects again when we've got other things to do. Yeah, it does show a, a lack of a low view of Christ's incarnation, reflects a low view of the sacraments, the idea that that when you gather for worship, Christ is actually present with you. If you want to celebrate the idea of God becoming man, God taking on human flesh, the best way to do it is by eating the flesh and drinking the blood of God, by eating the flesh and drinking the blood of Jesus Christ in the sacrament. We're discussing Christmas Day worship services with Pastor Hans Feeney. I'm Todd Wilkin. You're connected to Issues Etc. Pastor Feeney is pastor of Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in St. Louis, creator of a series of comical videos called Lutheran Satire and author of an essay for World News Group titled No Better Place for Families to Gather. He's also a graduate of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, where they form servants in Jesus Christ who teach the faithful, reach the lost, and care for all. Learn more about studying for the vocations of pastor or deaconess in 2023 at ctsfw.edu or by calling 1-800-481-2155, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. When we come back, Hans will make the Lutheran case for worship on Christmas Day. Thanks to our 2022 listeners in more than 160 countries. Please help us reach more worldwide listeners next year by making a year-end tax-deductible gift. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you a new recording of 22 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir and our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail, Paths to Lutheranism. You can make a secure online contribution at issuesetc.org. Thank you for supporting the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Our church loves and is grateful for those that serve our country. Operation Barnabas, part of Ministry to the Armed Forces, equips you to reach out to veterans in your community to bring Christ to those that served. Call Ministry to the Armed Forces at 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Thank you for your service. Thank you. God bless our military. Educating a new generation of Lutherans, you're listening to Issues Etc. 
Many educational institutions are governed by the whims of culture and are increasingly hostile to the Word of God. In contrast, Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, provides classical Lutheran education rooted in God's Word for students preschool through grade 12. Simply put, we equip students to stand firm in the faith through solid education focused on wisdom and virtue. We offer in-person instruction as well as live online classes for remote learning. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Do you want your neighbors and community to see what you're celebrating this Christmas season? Why not display an outdoor nativity in front of your home or church? It's a great way to show others what Christmas is all about, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Check out the Outdoor Nativity Store at outdoornativitystore.com. Durable, affordable, and American-made nativities, outdoornativitystore.com. OutdoorNativityStore.com Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about Christmas Day worship services with Pastor Hans Feeney of Lutheran Satire. So Hans, make the Lutheran case for worship on Christmas Day. Well, it's really kind of what I was just saying, is that what is the purpose of worship? It's to receive Christ. Why did Christ institute his church? Not for us to gather together out of obedience to him telling us to do something. If that's all it was, there's was no reason for Christ to come into the flesh because the commandments had, had already been given. But rather, the church is established to be the place where the truest family of all families is gathered together. Right, So in, we see this in the Gospels when Jesus is, is informed that his mother and brothers wish to speak to him, and he motions to his disciples, and he says, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who believes in me is my mother and my brother. So the Christian faith is something that welcomes us into an even greater family, and it's a family where we come into the sanctuary and in the baptismal font. We see the place where God, our Father, claimed us as his own children, where God the Son claimed us as his brother, washed us in the waters of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. When we hear the preaching of the gospel through the lips of the pastor proclaiming the word of forgiveness, our brother Jesus Christ speaks to us and restores all broken unions and broken relationships and all shattered families. His word has the power to make them whole again. And then we go and we kneel at the altar and we receive the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. So our brother comes to feed us with the feast of salvation that gives us a, a treasure and a glory and an honor and a majesty that no earthly feast could possibly give us. So the idea that you would forego church on Christmas Day so that you could spend time with your family, it's like if you were Scrooge McDuck and instead of diving through your giant vault of golden coins and swimming around in it, you just went over to the bank and you drew $5 out of your bank account and kind of walked around town waving your $5 around. Families are great and they're wonderful gifts that we should cherish, but they're incomplete when you pit them against the celebration and the union that we have in our true family with God as our father, with Jesus as our brother, with the church as our mother, and with our fellow Christians as our truest brothers and sisters. What do you make of the argument that, you know, Christian families can meditate on 
Christ's birth from the comfort of their own homes. Yeah, so this is one of these arguments that that I always find to be a little insincere. And I think we got to be careful of a trick that people oftentimes pull where they will they'll make, try to make the argument about uh, why you don't have to do something to explain why they're not doing something and why you're not doing it and why you don't have to do it are not always the same thing. Very often, they're not remotely the same thing. So you'll hear this often where people will say, well, well families can still uh, celebrate Christ their own way and in, in, from the comfort of their own homes. And sure, that's true to a certain extent, right? So if you're snowed in, the roads are closed and you can't get to church, it's not any less Christmas and your celebration isn't inferior or you're not sort of cut off from the salvation of Christ if you're not able to go in your car and drive to church, if you're in prison, if you're sick and you're not able to gather with your fellow believers. Sure, it's true that you can worship wherever you are. You can meditate upon Christ's gifts for you. You can pray. You can ask that uh, Jesus would pour out his gifts of salvation upon you and, you, and he will. So the fact that you don't have to do it, okay, well, fine. But is that the reason you're not doing it? What's the actual reason you're not doing it? And the real reason is, so when you look at churches that are canceling services on Christmas Day, sure, you don't have to. You don't have to have service on that day. But why are you canceling it? And the reason you're canceling it is because you want the church to get out of the way so that people can spend time with their families instead of gathering to hear Christ's word. And when that's the reason why people are doing it, then it's the wrong question to say, do we have to do this? The right question is, why don't you want to do it? Why does gathering to receive Christ's sacrament, taking the time to go with your family to hear Christ's word, to sing of his salvation, why do you see that as imposing on the Christmas celebration that you want to have? That to me is a much more important question to ask than do we have to do this? Are family gatherings and gathering for worship mutually exclusive? No, that this is the other thing that is just odd to me about these arguments. Unless there's a trend that I'm not aware of and people are having 14-hour worship services, it's really easy to do both. <laughs> I genuinely don't get this. So I have kids. I've had uh, my youngest uh, son is is four, just turned four, right? So for many years in my house, my oldest son is uh, 16. So for many years in my house, no one has slept in. We have not slept in beyond 6.03 on Christmas morning because my kids have wanted to open their presents, at least in the years when we open them on Christmas. Some, some years we do it on Christmas Eve because that was my tradition. Some years we do it on Christmas Day as my wife's tradition, right? So, when, But we're on the Christmas Day thing. My kids are up by 6. So, I, uh, so and then right, church is at 10. So, so I, I don't understand why this is such a difficulty. And then likewise, it's, the service is over in an hour, oftentimes less than that. So the idea that, that there's, there's somehow pitting these two things against each other and you're robbing from the family experience, well, there's 24 hours in the day. It's a long day, man. There's plenty, there's plenty of time to go back home, put your pajamas back on if that's what you want to, sit around, watch Elf or A Christmas Story uh, or eat ham or whatever it is that your family traditions are. These things are not mutually exclusive. 
you're able to do one. It's, it's like pitting one family member against another. It'd be like if I said to my wife today, look, I'm, honey, I'm going to have to celebrate my birthday with you on another day because today I need to celebrate it with the kids. Well, you got, I can do both. It's a long day. It's 24 hours in the day. We should be able to get it worked out. Pastor Hans Feeney is pastor of Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in St. Louis. He's creator of a series of comical videos called Lutheran Satire and author of an essay for World News Group titled No Better Place for Families. You'll find a link to it and to Lutheran Satire on the Talk on Demand archives page at issuesetc.org. Hans, thanks. My pleasure. Wednesday on Issues Etc., we'll discuss proof-texting early church fathers in Roman Catholicism with Pastor Stephen Parks. We'll have Pastor Tom Baker lead us in a Sunday school lesson on Jesus healing Jairus' daughter in Mark chapter 5, and we'll respond to your email and the Issues Etc. comment line. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc., Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.